Hello, and welcome to the Brothers Grimm Lunch Break. I'm Eric Wagoner. Today, I'll be reading King Thrushbeard. A king had a daughter whose beauty was beyond comparison, but she was so proud and haughty that no suitor was good enough for her. Indeed, she rejected one after the other and ridiculed them as well. Once her father held a great feast and invited all the marriageable young men from far and wide to attend. They were all lined up according to their rank and class. First came the kings, then the dukes, princes, counts, and barons, and finally the gentry. The king's daughter was conducted down the line, and she found fault with each one of the suitors there. One was too fat for her. That wine barrel, she said. Another was too tall. Tall and thin, he looks like a pin. The third was too short. Short and fat, he's built like a vat. The fourth was too pale. He resembles death. The fifth was too red. What a rooster! The sixth did not stand straight enough. Green wood dried behind the stove. There was not a single man whom she did not criticize, but she made the most fun of a good king who stood at the head of the line and had a chin that was a bit crooked. My goodness, she exclaimed and laughed. <laughs> He's got a chin like a thrush's beak. From then on, everyone called him Thrushbeard. When her father saw that she did nothing but ridicule people, and that she scorned all the suitors who were gathered there, he was furious and swore that she would have to marry the very first beggar who came to his door. A few days later, a minstrel came and began singing beneath the windows to earn some money. When the king heard him, he said, Have him come up here. The minstrel, who was dressed in dirty, tattered clothes, entered the hall and sang in front of the king and his daughter. When he was finished, he asked for a modest reward. Your singing has pleased me so much, the king said, that I shall give you my daughter for your wife. The king's daughter was horrified, but the king said, I swore I'd give you to the very first beggar who came along, and I intend to keep my word. All her objections were to no avail. The minister was fetched, and she was compelled to wed the minstrel. When that was done, the king said, it's not fitting for you to stay in my palace any longer, since you're now a beggar woman. I want you to depart with your husband. The beggar took her by the hand, and she had to go with him on foot. When they came to a huge forest, she asked, Tell me, who might the owner of this forest be? King Thrushbeard owns the forest and all you can see. If you had taken him, it would belong to you. Alas, poor me, what can I do? I should have wed King Thrushbeard, if only I knew. Soon they crossed a meadow, and she asked again, Tell me, who might the owner of this meadow be? King Thrushbeard owns the meadow, and all you can see. If you had taken him, it would belong to you. Alas, poor me, what can I do? I should have wed King Thrushbeard, if only I knew. Then they came to a large city, and she asked once more, Tell me, who might the owner of this city be? King Thrushbeard owns the city and all you can see. If you had taken him, it would belong to you. Alas, poor me, what can I do? I should have wed King Thrushbeard if only I knew. I'm not at all pleased by this, said the minstrel. 
Why are you always wishing for another husband? Do you think I'm not good enough for you? Finally, they came to a tiny cottage, and she said, Oh, Lord, what a wretched tiny house! It's not even fit for a mouse. The minstrel answered, This house is mine and yours, and we shall live here together. She had to stoop to get through the low doorway. Where are the servants? the king's daughter asked. What servants? answered the beggar. You must do everything yourself if you want something done. Now, make a fire at once, and put the water on so you can cook me my meal. I'm very tired. However, the king's daughter knew nothing about making a fire or cooking, and the beggar had to lend a hand himself if he wanted anything done in a tolerable fashion. After they had eaten their meager meal, they went to bed. But the next morning he got her up very early, because she had to take care of the house. For a few days they lived like this, and managed as best they could. When they had consumed all their provisions, the man said, "'Wife, we can't go on this way any longer. We've used everything up, and we're not earning a thing. You've got to weave baskets.' He went out to cut some willows and brought them home, but the rough willows bruised her tender hands. "'I see that won't work,' said the man." Let's try spinning. Perhaps you'll be better at that. She sat down at the spinning wheel and tried to spin, but the hard thread soon cut her soft fingers, and blood began to flow. See now, said the man, you're not fit for any kind of work. I made a bad bargain when I got you. But let's see how things go if I start a business with pots and earthenware. You're to sit in the marketplace and sell the wares. Oh, she thought. If some people from my father's kingdom come to the marketplace and see me selling wares, they'll surely make fun of me. But there was no way to avoid it. She had to obey her husband if she did not want to die of hunger. The first time, everything went well. People gladly bought her wares because she was beautiful, and they paid what she asked. Indeed, many gave her money and did not even bother to take the pots with them. So the couple lived off their earnings as long as they lasted. Then her husband bought a lot of new earthenware. His wife sat down with it at a corner in the marketplace, set her wares around her, and offered them for sale. Suddenly, a drunken hussar came galloping along and rode right over the pots so that they were all smashed to pieces. She began to weep and was paralyzed with fear. "'Oh, what's going to happen to me?' she exclaimed. "'What will my husband say?' She ran home and told him about the accident, and he responded by saying, in heaven's name, who would ever sit down at a corner in the marketplace with earthenware? Now stop your weeping. I see full well that you're not fit for proper work. I've already been to the king's castle and have asked whether they could use a kitchen maid, and they've promised me to take you on. In return, you'll get free meals. Now the king's daughter became a kitchen maid and had to assist the cook and do the lowest kind of work. She sewed two little jars inside her pockets and carried home the leftovers so they could have some food to live on. One day it happened that the king's oldest son was celebrating his wedding, and the poor woman went upstairs, stood outside the door of the large hall, and wanted to look inside. When the candles were lit, each guest entered, one more exquisitely dressed than the next, and everything was full of splendor. With a sad heart, she thought about her fate and cursed her pride and arrogance for bringing about her humiliation and great poverty. Sometimes the servants threw her pieces of the delicious dishes they were carrying in and out of the hall, and she could also smell the aroma of the food. 
She put the pieces into her pockets and intended to carry them home. Suddenly the king's son entered. He was dressed in velvet and silk and had a golden chain around his neck. And when he saw the beautiful woman standing in the doorway, he grabbed her by the hand and wanted to dance with her, but she refused. Indeed, she was horrified because she saw it was King Thrushbeard who had courted her and whom she had rejected with scorn. Although she struggled, it was to no avail, for he pulled her into the hall. Then the string that held her pockets together broke, and the jars fell out, causing the soup to spill and the scraps of food to scatter on the floor. When the people saw that, they laughed a good deal and poked fun at her. She was so ashamed that she wished she were a thousand fathoms under the earth. She ran out the door and tried to escape, but a man caught up with her on the stairs and brought her back. When she looked at him, she saw it was King Thrushbeard again, and he said to her in a friendly way, Don't be afraid. I and the minstrel who lived with you in the wretched cottage are one and the same person. I disguised myself out of love for you, and I was also the hussar who rode over your pots and smashed them to pieces. I did all that to humble your proud spirit and to punish you for the insolent way you behaved toward me. Then she shed bitter tears and said, I've done a great wrong and don't deserve to be your wife. However, he said, Console yourself. The bad days are over. Now we shall celebrate our wedding. The chambermaids came and dressed her in splendid clothes, and her father came along with his entire court, and they wished her happiness in her marriage with King Thrushbeard. Then the real rejoicing began, and I wish that you and I had been there too. The End the Brothers Grim Lunch Break is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives license. Download it and share it all you'd like, but don't change it or sell it. The translations used are copyright Jack Zipes and are used with permission. His collected translations, The Complete Fairy Tales of the Brothers Grimm, is available on the media of your choice from Bantam Books. The music is Mount Timbrel by Jamie Janover off his All Strings Considered album, available on magnatune.com. If you'd like to listen to any of the other tales, you can find them on our website, www.grimlunch.org, where you can also leave comments, or subscribe through iTunes. And, if you're in iTunes, would you mind leaving a review or clicking on stars to give this podcast a rating? It helps other people find the podcast, and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Thank you.